Alhamdulillah wakafa wa salaamun ala ibadihi alladheena istafa amma ba'd fa'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim ya ayyuhal ladheena aamanu taqullaha wa kunu ma'as sadiqin subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salaamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammadin wa barik wa sallam in addition to all of the history and theory and practices of the Sawaf that I mentioned to you, there was one other aspect which we had yet to discuss, which was the aspect of Sheikh and Ba'ah. And so the question really is that what is a Sheikh? Who is qualified to be a Sheikh? How does one find a Sheikh? Does one need a Sheikh? How does one take a Sheikh? And what is this process of Ba'ah? Alright? And the second thing that is left is that many of, at least 10 or 15 questioners have asked for what are the different types of zikr, can you suggest any type of zikr to be done, right? Now, the first thing I want to read for you is two passages, one from Ibn Taymiyyah and one from Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah, his writings have been collected in this massive series of volumes called Majmu'ah Fatawa Ibn Taymiyyah, which are actually not really his own, I mean, they're all his own works, but it's a compilation of his works made by students. It's not that he sat down and authored his quote-unquote fatawa. In that, they've collected his writings on tasawwuf, and they've put that, and depends on the edition in his volume. Uh, and it's called tasawwuf and zuhud and suluk. In particular, he likes to use the word suluk. In that, and it's unfortunate that people who translate it in English do not translate it judiciously. Ibn Taymiyyah ta'ala mentions clearly that he says, quote, Some people accept everything of tasawwuf, what is right as well as what is wrong. Others reject it totally, both what is wrong and what is right, as some scholars of kalam and fiqh do. Some scholars of Islamic theology and law rejected it totally. He said the right attitude towards tasawwuf or any other thing is to accept what is in agreement with the Qur'an and Sunnah and reject what disagrees with the Qur'an and Sunnah. Then what does he do? He divides the, so- the people of the Sof into three categories. In the first category, he calls these people, quote, Mashayikhul Islam, Mashayikhul Kitab wa Sunnah, wa A'immatul Huda. Mashayikhul Islam, these were the sheikhs of Islam. Mashaykh al-Kitab sunnah they're the sheikhs of Kitab and Sunnah. And A'imma, A'imma is plural of Imam, A'imma al-Huda, they're the Imams of guidance. And he mentions names. I'm going to read out to you some of the names that he has put in this first category of the people of Tasawwuf. Fuzail ibn Ayaz. If any of you knew classical Tasawwuf, these are the big names of the early Sufis. Fuzail ibn Ayaz, Ibrahim ibn Adam, Shakik al-Balkhi, Abu Sulaiman al-Dadani, Ma'roof al-Karhi, Bishr al-Hafi, remember? Bishr al-Hafi, Sari al-Saqti, Junaid Baghdadi, Sal ibn Abdullah al-Tustari, Abdul Qadir Jilani, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, mentioned as Sheikh by Sheikh Imam ibn Taymiyyah as amongst the Mashaykh al-Islam, Mashaykh al-Kitab al-Sunnah, and A'immatul Huda. And Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani's works have survived, his writings, his malfuzat, 
And it's absolutely indisputable that number one, he was a sheikh. Number two, that he took bayah. Number three, that he had murids. Number four, that he taught zikr, nafil ibadat, that was not to be found in hadith. And there's no way this could have been lost in Ibn Taymiyyah because Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani is one of the most prolific writers and authors and speakers on tasawwuf. And knowing all of that, Ibn Taymiyyah lists him as the one of the Mashaykh al-Islam, Mashaykh al-Kitab sunnah and A'immatul huda The second category he mentions are those people of tasawwuf whose experience of fana this is quote, whose experience of fana weakened their sense of discrimination and made them utter words that they later realized to be erroneous when they became sober. So he doesn't condemn them and he offers an apology for them on the ground that they were intoxicated and lost control over their reason. Third category is the one that he condemns. Third category. And those are the ones that he says have expounded doctrines which contradict Islamic principles or have indulged in practices which are condemned by the Sharia. And here he takes the name of Al-Hallaj. Now unfortunately what happens is with people from a particular viewpoint, they only translate this third passage of Ibn Taymiyyah. They'll never show you the complete passage. So you will think that Ibn Taymiyyah thinks all Sufis have indulged in practices condemned by uh, expounded doctrines which contradict Islamic principles and indulge in practices which are condemned by the Shia. But this for him was the third. The third. And he also critiques Ibn Arabi in there as well. These two. Al-Hajj and Ibn Arabi. Alright? So it means as far as the Mashaykh of Tasawwuf, what we're going to call the classical Mashaykh of Tasawwuf, almost all of the big names are mentioned by Ibn Taymiyyah himself in his Fatawa, Majmu'ah Fatawa Ibn Taymiyyah. Achahafiz ibn Qayyim al-Juziyah in the same book that I had mentioned to you earlier. And if you want the page number for the English translation is page 47 to page 48. And he mentions this verse in the Quran al-Kareem in which Allah sponsors I mentioned this in Surah Kaf. And follow not that person whose heart we have made forgetful of our zikr who pursues his passions who follows his passions and whose situation has exceeded all bounds. So three things Allah Ta'ala mentions in this verse. Of who not to follow. Heart empty of zikr of Allah. The person pursues his hawa, his passions. And his situation has exceeded all bounds. Now I'm going to read Ibn Qayyum's commentary on this verse. If the servant, you know, the abd of Allah, wishes to follow a man, let him look to see whether this man is of those who do zikr of Allah or who are ghafil. Number one, because he's using these three criteria in the verse. Number two, whether he is ruled by his passions or by revelation. That was the second thing. Then he says he understands this notion of a situation has exceeded all bounds as meaning, Ibn Qayyim writes again back to the quote, if he is heedless and ruled by his passions, if he doesn't have one and two, he doesn't have the zikr but rather is heedless, doesn't follow revelation but rather follows passions, then, quote, his situation has exceeded all bounds. Then he's the third. And then Ibn Qayyim continues, and he should neither be trusted nor followed, for he will lead you to destruction. Then he, he continues commenting on this destruction. Then he resumes, quote, So if a man has taken someone as a sheikh, so if a man has taken someone as a sheikh, model, or person to emulate, 
but finds him to be as the verse describes, i.e. empty of the zikr of Allah, following passions, etc., then he should distance himself from him. But if he finds him, him being, i.e. the person he has taken as his shaykh, to be someone in whom the zikr of Allah and the practice of sunnah predominate, someone who does not trespass Allah's commandments, but is resolute in keeping them, then he should adhere to him. He should grab him. He should grab him. This is Ibn Qayyim al-Jazil's view on taking a shaykh. That if the shaykh meets these criteria, you should grab him. You should adhere to him. You should follow him. And the other word he used above was, you should emulate him. So this is Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim Ibn Qayyim al-Jazil. It's Ibn Qayyim, not Qayyim. Ibn Qayyim al-Jazil on following a shaykh. Concert to Shaykh, I mentioned to you yesterday, uh, yesterday, yes, in the beginning, right, on those verses of Kunu ma sadakin and Fasilu ahli dhikri in kuntum la ta'lamun. And I gave you the example of a gardener, did I not? Did I give you the gardener example? No, the ones who were here yesterday should answer. Achan. The way the likeness of a Shaykh is mentioned in the classical books of the Sawaf is as follows that the Shaykh is like a gardener. So I'll give you a modern example first. The sheikh is, I gave you the example of a sheikh as a tutor. That's what I gave you, right? Sheikh is like a tutor. Second example, sheikh is like a coach. Don't you know that the world's top tennis players still have a coach? Who is it to that? Roger Federer. He won, right? Roger Federer is the world's number one tennis player. Even then he has a coach. In Mazike Bhatti, his coach is probably ranked 200. <laughs> If he was to play his coach, he would probably beat him in straight sets, six love, six love, six love. But he still has a coach. Because he knows that in order to maintain this level of excellence, in order to remain at the top of my game, I need a coach. I can't do it on my own. So the world's number one tennis player doesn't think that he can do tennis without a coach. And the world's number one billion Muslim thinks she can reach Allah without a shaykh. Allah Akbar. So those are two modern examples I gave you. Yesterday the example of tutor and today the example of coach. The classical example in the books of the Sof is that of a gardener. And the way they describe it is that the seed of the muhabbat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the heart of every mu'min. Because once iman enters the heart then the seed for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is planted. But there is one seed that has a gardener and there is one seed that is untended. So they write to do not see that the seed who has a gardener has a person who is looking after that seed, who gives water, who puts fertilizer, who when the seed starts growing into a sapling or a seedling, will trim away the weeds, shaitan, keep away the weeds from affecting its plant. When the plant itself has some disease and rot, when some of the leaves start to wither, the gardener will cut away those rotted leaves to make sure the rot and disease does not spread and kill the plant that the gardener will plant a stick next to the plant so the plant can entwine itself around that stick and grow strong and upright as opposed to the seed that was planted in the wilds in the jungle that has no gardener to look after it nothing, no one to give it fertilizer or light if it's in a pot to put it in the sun give it water no one to stave off the weeds and the pests no one to trim its rotted leaves no one to give it a stick for it to grow around. 
That is the example they give. That the shaykh is like a gardener. And when we put the seed of the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the presence of the gardener, then then that seed sprouts. And as you know that that seed that sprouts into a healthy plant, that plant bears more fruit. And therefore that person will be able to do more a'mal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do a'mal is salih. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Qur'an. In the early period, the process of taking a shaykh was more informal. It was more informal. And over time it became formalized. For example, in hadith, in the time of the Sahaba, Tabin and Tabai Tabin, listening to hadith was informal. You can just go and go to any place where any Sahaba or Tabi were narrating hadith and just sit there and listen and you would be given the authority and ijazah to narrate onward. By the time of the teachers of Bukhari, and including Imam Bukhari, Tirmizi, and the entire 3rd century Hijri, hadith narration and transmission became formal. You would have to register. If you wanted to have ijazah to narrate onward, you would have to register as a student. Otherwise you would be called a Sami. Sami means what today we would call an auditor. You could sit in the masjid of Imam Bukhari and listen if you want, but your name wouldn't be written in the ranks of his students, and therefore you would never be allowed to say that I heard the hadith from Bukhari. You couldn't narrate from him just by being a Sami. You would have to formally register and enroll yourself as his student. Then your name would be written in the ranks of his students, and it would be watched and seen whether you attended regularly. And after attending regularly for some time, then you would be given ijazah to knuckle the hadith that you heard from him. Formal registration took place in the transmission of hadith, and that has continued up till today. Just like that, initially in the science of Tazkiyah, it was informal. People would sit with some pious sahaba, tabi, tabai, tabi, and they would sit in their sobat, they would benefit from their nasihat. Remember, they would do their rabata, they would do their ittila, and then they would do ittibab, that nasihat. I'm using all these terms that I explained to you. Remember the Quran and Sunnah and early model of Tazkiyah that we did yesterday? Informal. Later on, this process also became formalized. And the formalization process was employs the use of this word bayah. The word bayah is used for a particular type of bayah, which is bayah to toba. And I explained to you yesterday how toba is done to Allah, but with someone. And I explained that to you in depth yesterday. Now the word bayah in the Arabic language means to take a pledge, ahad lena. And specifically it means that when you want to make yourself firm in an intention, to make yourself firm in taking an intention by way of taking a pledge. Yani agar kisi ke dil mein koi azam aur irada ho, apne aap ko us azam aur irada ko pukhta karne ke liye ahad lena. The word bayah has been used, that's the Logoimana lingual definition of bayah. The word bayah has been used in the Quran and Sunnah for four different things. Four different ways. Number one, the word bayat has been used, has been called by the muhaddisin as bayatul iman. Bayatul iman. Sometimes when a person, not every person, but sometimes when a person would come to the Prophet wasallam and want to accept the deen of Islam, that sometimes the Prophet used to take this word bayah and would tell them that I am taking your bayah on the fact that you are accepting Islam. And it comes in a date that before Hijrat, at the time of Hajj, 
the people of Medina Manawara came to the Prophet and they gave bayat to him on Iman in two groups and this is known as Hadith as Bayat Uqba Ula and Bayat Uqba Thani Uqba's displaced that twice this bayat took place and it is known by all the muhaddisin this event is called bayat uqba ula and bayat uqba thani and this was bayat of iman so the first use of bayat in the quran and hadith and the hadith is for this type of bayat bayat of iman means that they were making a niyat and intention to renounce it and leave kufr and shirk and to accept allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as their only god and the prophet sallallahu as the last and final prophet and messenger and to make themselves firm on this intention, they took a pledge with the Prophet to Allah on this Iman. With the Prophet to Allah on Iman. With the Prophet to Allah on this Iman. Second use of the word Bayah has come in both the Quran and the Hadith, and that is known as Bayatul Jihad. At the time of Hudaybiyah, Sayyidina Rasulullah in the time of the Battle of Hudaybiyah, Sayyidina Rasulullah took a bayat from the Sahaba Karam that is mentioned in Hadith as bayat al-almaut that when you are going to go on this jihad you are going to fight until death even if death should overcome you. So that is known in Hadith as bayat al-almaut and in the Quran in Surah Al-Fat ayah number 18 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this bayat and says لَكَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايَعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ that verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with the believers when they took bear to you, Yubayunaka, when they took bear to you, O Prophet, underneath the tree. It's referred to that bear, which was this bear of jihad. Sometimes it's called bear on jihad, sometimes it's called bear al mot And in Surah Fat ayah number 10, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also refers to this, Inna ladina Yubayunaka, and this is a general ayah referring to all of the types of bear. Inna ladina yubayyunaka, verily those who give bear to you, innama yubayyunallah. It is as if they have given their pledge with Allah, yadullahi fauka aidihim, that the hand of Allah is over them, means Allah Ta'ala's madad and nusrat and help is with them. And then the Sahaba Ikram used to sing this nara, it's mentioned in hadith, in the battle, Ghazwa of Ahzab, which you call the battle of the trench, right? Nahnul ladina bayyu Muhammada. Alal jihadi ma baqina abada. That we are the people who gave bear to the Prophet alal jihad ma baqina abada for as long as we live. So this second type is known as bayat al jihad and bayat alal maut. Third type of bayat is known as bayat al hijra. This is mentioned in hadith that in Yom Khandak Sayyidina <coughs> Harith. Ibn Ziyad radiallahu ta'ala anhu went to the Prophet and he said that the Prophet was taking bayah of people who were going on hijrat. And Sayyidina Harith ibn Ziyad asked the Prophet that Ya Rasulullah is hijrat also something on which bayah is taken? And the Prophet I should know Harith ibn Ziyad didn't ask that somebody asked the Prophet from the crowd of the Sahaba who he was taking bear from, that Ya Rasulullah is Hijrat also something upon which bear is taken? And the Prophet asked it, who is it? And the responder, and there's a difference in the hadith narrations of who the responder was. Some give the name of Hawt ibn Yazid 
and others give the name Yazid ibn Hawt. So just a difference and into the narrators which was the son and which was the father. And the Prophet said that people are going are are doing hijrat towards Medina Manawra. And the Prophet took their bayat for this reason that he was taking a pledge from them that when they went to Medina Manawra they would not return to Makkah Makarama without the permission of the Prophet. That was the bayah of Hijrat. That is mentioned in Hadith. The fourth type of bayah is mentioned in the Quran and Hadith and that is called bayah the Tawbah. And that is actually the bayah that the Mashaikh of the Sawaf would begin to take. In the Quran is mentioned in Surah Al-Mumtahina. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhan Nabi, O my beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُؤْمِنَاتِ And when the believing women come to you by yitnaka to give bayat to you, Allah أَنْ لَا يُشْرِكْنَ بِاللَّهِ شَيْئًا That they will not associate any partners with Allah. وَلَا يَشْرِكْنَ وَلَا يَزْنِينَ That they will not steal, they will not do zina. وَلَا يَقْتُنَّ Allah the hunnah That they will not commit female infanticide. وَلَا يَأْتِينَ بِبُهْتَانِ And they will not do any buhtan. And the ayah continues and then ends, وَلَا يَأْسِينَكَ فِي مَعْرُوفِ and they will not disobey you in any known matter, i.e. they will not commit any sin. That's what this whole counts out the big sins, shirk and stealing and zina and bhutan and infanticide and etc. And then it ends, وَلَا يَأْسِينَكَ فِي مَعْرُوف The Urdu Tarjama وہ کسی قسم کی معصیت نہیں کریں گے آپ کی کسی معلوم چیز میں نافرمانی نہیں کریں گے So the Quran, Allah subhanahu says, فَبَا Take their bear. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُنَّ اللَّهُ and make istighfar on their behalf in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allaha ghafuru rahim. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving and merciful. That is the bayat of tawbah of women. Now we know it's not bayat al-iman because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes them as mu'minat. Iza ja'akal mu'minat. When the mu'minat come to you. So it's not bayat al-iman. And obviously women do not take bayat al-jihad. This has been called bayat al-tawbah because they came themselves to the Prophet sallallahu so this is proof in the Quran indeed that a person themselves can say that I want to do Tawbah and I want to do Tawbah in this way that I want to do Tawbah with someone to Allah. I want to take the pledge of Tawbah with someone to Allah. I want to pledge my Tawbah to Allah with someone and make that someone my witness to this Tawbah and my guide and my tutor on making myself firm and paka on this Tawbah. Bayat of Tawbah from Hadith, Sahih Bukhari Kitab al-Iman. This is the Bayat of Tawbah of men. Anubad ibn Samat radiyallahu ta'ala anhu qal qal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa hawluhu asabatun min ashabihi that the Prophet said and around him was a group of his sahaba ba yi'uni the Prophet just addressed them take bear to me. Allah an la tushriku billahi shay'a Same words as Quran That you will not associate any partners with Allah Wala tushriku and you will not steal Wala taznu and you will not do zina Wala taqtula Allah dukum That you will not kill your children Etc, etc Wala ta'su fi maruf And you will not disobey in any known matter And the Sahaba took bayah to the Prophet So bayah to tawbah of women established in Quran Bayat of Tawbah of men established in Sahih Bukhari. Bayat of Tawbah being done on one's own initiative. The Mu'minat presenting themselves for Bayat established in Quran. 
and for the Prophet or Shaykh to invite others to give bayah, that is established in Sahih Bukhari, because the Prophet turned to those Sahaba Achanak and said, Bayuni, give bayah to me. This bayah is a sunnah amal. It's not farz, it's not wajib. It's sunnah ghair muakkada. If somebody doesn't do it, there is no sin. The only question that would arrive in somebody's mind is that is this khas to the Prophet ﷺ? No, it's not. Because this is part of his model of tazkiyah. This was a way that he made people firm on renouncing a life of sin and living a life of iman. And like I told you, that model of tazkiyah is transmitted in warasat to the ulama of tazkiyah because the Prophet ﷺ al-ulama of warasat al-anbiya. Second reason why it's not specific to the Prophet ﷺ is that we do not have, and I did this for you yesterday, right? We do not have the Christian Catholic concept of salvation and redemption through our Prophet that they have through Christ. So it's not that Tawbah can only be done with the Prophet ﷺ. And I gave you that verse yesterday as well as Fastakim Kama Umar Tawbah and established for you a chain of Tawbah. That we are the people who made Tawbah with someone, with someone, with someone back to the Prophet ﷺ. Third reason is that the ulama have com- compiled the khasiyat and khasayas of the Prophet ﷺ and none of them have mentioned this tawbah. Those things that are exclusive to the Prophet ﷺ, such as the hajjud being obligatory, being able to marry more than four wives, sleep not breaking wudu, etc., etc. The Sahaba Karam did not take this bayah because a new type of bayah started. What word did I use? New. A new type of bayah started at the time of the Sahaba Bayat al-Khilafat. And that was first given to Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So the other Sahaba did not take Bayat al-Tawbah. They left the formal procedure because they didn't want to do ishtibah, they didn't want to seem like they were setting up any type of rival in the slightest of way in any way to the Khilafat. After the end of the Khilafat al-Rashidah, after the end of the four Khulafat al-Rashidin, then this silsila of Bayat resumed in the Tabin, Hassan al-Basri, Tabai Tabin Abdullah bin Mubarak, and it continued. But at a small scale. Then after a few centuries, just like in Hadith, it became part and parcel of Hadith learning that you had to formally register yourself as a student. I would say around 3rd, 4th century Hijri, it became part and parcel of the training in Tazkiyah and Tasawwuf that you had to register yourself as a student and that registration process was banned. And so what would happen was a student would go to a shaykh and say, I want to learn Tazkiyah and Zikr from you. And to demonstrate their sincerity and their commitment and their seriousness, they said, no, I really want to do Tawbah. I really want to change. And I want to pledge my Tawbah to Allah Ta'ala with you and take you as my tutor to help me be firm on this Tawbah. Take me as my tutor to tell me some Zikr Nafal Ibadat through which the love for Allah Ta'ala can enter into my heart. That is the history and the concept of Bayah. And again, the Shaykh itself is not the maksa. So if somebody was bad to a Shaykh and the Shaykh passed away, so you cannot take benefit from the dead. Now you have to find another teacher. Just like if somebody was studying Quran or Tajweed with a Qari Sahib, and then the Qari Sahib passes away, well the maksad wasn't Qari Sahib. The maksad was in fixing our recitation of Quran. So now you have to take another living teacher. So the Shaykh is not a maksa. It's not an end, it's a means. It's a guide, it's an assistant. It's a helpful means. The real thing is to attain the end. So if one of our teacher passes away, then we have to go and take another teacher. Unless we feel that we've already reached the end. 
Or, if somebody feels that I don't need a tutor, that's also fine, because it's not far as wajib. But those who feel that they would like a tutor, the tutor is not the end, the tutor is a means. Okay, what if somebody says, what are the conditions of ban? There are none. There are no conditions of ban. Somebody says, what will change after ban? Nothing. Whatever is farz and wajib in the Sharia before is going to be farz and wajib after. Whatever is nafil before will be nafil after. The benefit of the ba'ah is, first of all, it's a sunnah amal. So it's a sunnah way of doing tawbah. To do tawbah with someone to Allah established in Quran and Bukhari. So one gets sawab for doing amal on that sunnah. Second, it represents a commitment. And maybe Allah Ta'ala will accept that commitment and seriousness of doing tawbah. And accept our tawbah and take us out of sin. Third, again, it gives us a guide, a gardener, a coach, a tutor. Who is going to help us. Now we have someone with whom we can follow. That Quran and Sunnah model of Tizkiyah. We can now do niyat of amal of kunu ma sadakin. Whereas before we might not have been doing that, that consciously or that properly. Now we have someone who we can do rabata and ittila with. Who we can contact and communicate and inform of our condition. Someone whose nasiyat we will listen to. Someone who we will do ittibab nasiyat that they tell us. Fourth thing is that it will give us and that person will have been trained in a zikr that is more proven and more tested than any type of zikr we would be able to come up with. And that person has experience in taking people out of sin. So just like you want to go to a surgeon who has done the same operation 10, 20, 100 times before yours, just like that you would want, I want a shaykh who knows how to help people who have these problems, who is aware of the problems that I face as a young professional or as a married woman or as a student or as a person living in Pakistan or whatever the problems I have in following my deen. After Ba'a, the Mashaik, and now I can only tell you about my own uh, line and the teachings that we follow, in our line there are five Nafil Ibadat that are taught to the students. And Ba'a is not a shirt to do them because they're Nafil Ibadat, they're open and optional for everyone. <laughs> It's not some secret society that if you become bad, then we tell you what the zikr is. As it going about, right? I'm going to tell you the zikr right now, right? Number one is that, and obviously, all of these things remain nafil, but it's natural that when a person formally enrolls, they do more ihtimam of something. I'll give you an example. When I teach at Lums, I have auditors, students who sit in my class. They say, no, please, sir, let me sit in. I'll do all the readings. Never happens. Never happens. There's, they want to. They're truly sincere and they really want to do the readings. But because they, they're not formally registered, because they're not going to get a grade, they don't end up doing all the readings. It's the students who are formally registered that do more ihtimam of their studies, right? That hold themselves more, have more discipline in pursuing their studies. So that's the benefit of bad that a person feels that, okay, now I need to be more disciplined. Obviously, it's the same thing in hadith. You can go sit in a hadith lecture in Jamia Shafia. But if you enroll as a student, you're going to be more disciplined about studying. You're going to study the hadith daily. You've asked that person, Muhaddis, to be your teacher. He's giving you his time. You will feel ashamed that if I don't read the books, I don't study the books, I don't study the commentaries that he wants me to, I'm not being a good student. That doesn't change the hukum of hadith. Studying hadith is still nafil. It doesn't make it farce. But we can do ihtimam of the nawafil. And we're only going to be able to do those nawafil once we put ourselves in a situation when we feel that we need to do ihtimam. 
Proof of this is in hadith that the Prophet said, Ahabbul a'mali indallahi adbamuha wa in qalla. Ahabbul a'mal, the most beloved of actions, indallahi, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's regard. Adwamuha are the ones that are done regularly, consistently, wa in qalla, even if they're few. Wa in qalla, even if they're few, means that they're ikhtiari amal. We're not talking about the fara'is. That every day I pray one salah, I just pray a little, but I pray it every day, isn't it? It's about the nawafil. All the muhaddisin agree that this hadith is about the nawafil. So we want to be regular in our nawafil because those are the most mahboob nawafil to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are doing nawafil to make ourselves mahboob. And bay'ah is one way that a person becomes regular in those nawafil. Because they have a teacher now. They've been given an instruction. So what are the zikr iskar that our mashayikh have taught, my teachers have taught me and that we teach our students? Number one, very simple. Number one, tilawat quran That a person should read, recite in Arabic, original the Qur'an al-Kareem every single day. If a person can do one, one para, very good. Otherwise half a para. Otherwise start with a quarter para and work your way up to at least half a para. This is something separate from tarjama, tafsir, ilm, that is all separate. This is to tilawat. Allah subhanahu wa says about the believers that they recite their kind of hakka tilawati. That they do tilawat as is the haq of the Qur'an to be recited and read. Well, the first thing is tilawat to Qur'an. And that is from start to end. And then starting and then ending again. Starting and ending. Making it a mamul. That is separate if somebody wants to recite a particular surah on Friday or whatever the fazail of Kamanari. That is also separate. This is sequential tilawat of the Qur'an. So number one is tilawat to Qur'an. Number two is daily istighfar. It comes in a date that the Prophet some did istighfar 100 times a day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran that you should make istighfar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also Amr. So the second thing is to make istighfar 100 times a day. The most concise formula of istighfar, because for people like me and you in the modern age, we need to have the most concise but potent formula that combines the words mentioned in different hadith of istighfar is astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli dhanbin wa atubu ilayh that I seek the forgiveness of Allah rabbi my rabb Allah Ta'ala wants you to be personal with him rabbi my rabb kabhi dua mein rabbana here rabbi because now istighfar ka mamla personal mamla I seek the forgiveness of Allah my rabb min kulli dhanbin from all of sins wa atubu ilayh and I turn in tawbah unto him I turn away from my sins and I turn towards Him. So to say that 100 times a day with feeling, with feeling, to try to work on the quality of these things as well. Third thing is, Allah subhanahu wa said in the Qur'an al-Kareem, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا So Allah subhanahu wa commanded, third thing, also Sigai Amr. So third thing is to recite Durood and Salawat. The three words that ha- and to take the same number hundred. The proof of taking the number hundred is the Prophet set for himself one hundred times istighfar a day. So that shows the permissibility and sunnah basis for setting a number and for setting that number at a hundred. So we will set the number of durood and salawat also at a hundred. So third thing is to say, recite salawat and durood hundred times a day. The three words that come in the Quran and sunnah, in that ayah there were two, salawat and salam. And you know in Durood Ibrahim comes another word, Barakat. These are three words that have come. Sallu, Salam, Barak. So, 
the most concise formula that contains all three and also the adab of sending it on the al Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim so three things I told you five right three things number one tilawat the Quran number two istighfar number three durood salawat is called in Arabic hundred times istighfar hundred times durood and one para or half a power or quarter para on the way to half a para of Quranic recitation. Number four is called zikr kalbi. That is what we did for a few moments last night at the end of the bayan. That is the particular zikr that our Mashaikh have derived from the Quran al Karim, all of those verses again that link zikr and kalb, and specifically these two, three verses. Number one, wadkur rabbaka fi nafsik, an waqifatan. Already translated many times to you. Number two, what could isma rabbik and remember the ism of your rub and, and and attach yourself to the remembrance of that name exclusively to the exclusion of everything else. What could isma rabbik Sometimes this in Arabic is also called it's called zikr kalbi. Sometimes it's called zikr khafi. Sometimes it's also called muraqaba. Not to be confused with some of these new age groups that teach meditation and they call it muraqaba asini. Zikr kalbi, zikr khafi. And muraqaba, when it refers to that, refers to this way of doing amal on these verses of the Quran. The word muraqaba, if you know Arabic, if you're studying Arabic, this is from babim mufa'ala. Babim mufa'ala, this is a master. Babim mufa'ala comes for tarafain, for two ways. Allah subhanahu wa says in the Quran, Inna Allaha kana alaykum raqiba. That know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is raqib on you. Raqib means intently watching you. Intently watching you. So muraqaba means that I also want to be intently vigilant of Allah. I want to make it two ways. If Allah ta'ala is intensely, intently aware of me, I also want to have do a zikr in which I'm intensely, intently aware and vigilant of Him. That is muraqaba. That's the meaning of muraqaba. It doesn't mean meditation. <coughs> that is the meaning of muraqaba. Zikr kalbi, zikr khafi, muraqaba, different terms, right? Uh, and the Prophet said in a hadith, two hadith. One hadith that zikr khafi is 70 times better than zikr lisani. And another hadith that I already mentioned, hadith al-Qudsi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that I am with my servant and he remembers me. فَإِن ذَكَرَ فِي نَفْسِهِ If he remembers me in his self, I remember him in myself. This is that zikr. This is that zikr. And so to do this for 10-15 minutes a day. And the locus and the way, the method of the zikr is to try to, number one, to, to try to reach that state of tabattal, which is disconnect from this world. So normally, though it's not required, normally a person sits down in any relaxed posture, close their eyes, relaxes, muscle tension normal, breathing normal. Nothing to do with breathing, Nothing to do with pulse, nothing to do with heartbeat, everything is normal. And you're not to be aware of that. Breathing is ghairullah, pulse is ghairullah, heartbeat is ghairullah. You're trying to leave awareness of all the ghairullah. And you try to use your qalb, because Allah subhanahu wa said that zikr is done by the qalb. Qalb is your spiritual heart, which is part of your ru, which is located in the same similar place as where your physical heart is on the left side of your chest. And to imagine that you are doing amal on fadkuruni, 
and that you are remembering Allah by remembering Him silently, secretly, humbly, inside of your qalb, inside your spiritual heart, and that your spiritual heart is making zikr of, his ism, of the ism of your Rabb, which is the ismi zat, ismi Allah, which is Allah. Silent, your tongue doesn't say anything. You just imagine that your qalb is saying Allah, 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 and you're just listening to it. As if somebody put a speaker there and you're just listening to it. And then you imagine that Allah subhanahu is doing al-kurukum, that Allah subhanahu is sending His rahmat, His mercy, His fazl, His karam, His grace, His generosity on our heart, is purifying our heart of its sins. Remember, everything has a polish, the polish of hearts is the zikr of Allah. So imagine that that's Allah's grace that is going to polish it. Our zikr doesn't have the power to polish. Our zikr can attract the mercy of Allah that cleanses the heart. So we imagine that Allah Ta'ala's mercy is cleansing my heart of its sins. And the Prophet said in Hadith that every time a person sins, a black spot comes on their kalb. So we imagine that how one can only imagine due to our sins and ghaflat, how blackened and darkened and hardened and rusted our hearts have become. And so the zikr invites the mercy of Allah to remove all of those impurities to purify our heart. And we sit like this for 10-15 minutes. That's it. No movement, no music, no dance, no breathing, no pulse. I mean pulse, heartbeat, breathing, chalrai. Right? But don't tuning yourself to that. Nothing to do with that. Everything normal, everything relaxed. Nothing artificial. This is the fourth thing. So four things. Number one, tilawah to Quran. Number two, istighfar. Number three, Dirud and Salawat. Number four, Zikr Kalbi or Zikr Khafi, Muraqaba, however you want to call it, 10-15 minutes a day. The fifth thing is Zikr Kathir. Zikr Kathir, which is sometimes in Arabic called Wukuf Kalbi. Wukuf comes from Waqf, means to pause your heart on the remembrance of Allah. This is that 24-hour Zikr. This is, Ya Yuhalladina Aminudkurullaha Zikrin Kathira. This is Alladina Yadkurun Allah Qiyamun wa Kuudan wa Allah And those who remember Allah while standing, while sitting, while lying in their sides twenty four hours a day. And the way to do this is to just as mutlaq, this is not zikr khas, this is umumi zikr. No khas way to do this. Just keep trying to think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala twenty four hours a day in any way that you can. Think about his wujud, think about his kurb, think about his rahmat, think about his Blessings on us. Always try to rem- remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart and in our mind. This is the background remembrance that I spoke to you about last night. This was the example I gave you of the interview, of the exam. That while you're doing everything else, inside your heart is constantly remembering Allah. This is zikr kathir This is the fifth thing. And these are the five things. That's it. The sixth thing is for those who choose to take bayah. That sixth thing is rabita. Rabita means number one to inform the shaykh how these five zikrs are going. So somebody will say, you know, I do the talawat, istighfar, salabat, but I'm having trouble doing the zikr kalbi. I can't focus, I can't concentrate. Somebody will say that I read istighfar, but I don't feel any remorse and regret. Somebody will say I recite the Shreef, but I do it unconsciously, right? Somebody will say, you know, I'm having a problem trying to remember Allah 24 hours a day. I keep forgetting. And I find whole chunks of hours of my time go by when I never even thought of Him once. So, just like a doctor gives you a medicine and says, right? So, try these things and to let the shaykh know how these zikr are going and now to work on the quality. To work on the quality of these zikr, that is the first meaning of rabata. Second meaning of rabata is to form the shaykh of any spiritual condition. Somebody has a problem with backbiting, 
envy, greed, etc. And to try to identify the causes of that and to cure that and to be guided according to the teachings of the deen how to purge ourselves of all of these ailments of the heart and diseases. Third meaning of Ramata is then to discuss, to do mashfra, mashfra, shaykh and not to hukam. Obedience lies to Allah and His Messenger alone. But if there is any matter in which you think you need the shaykh to do mashfra with, pertaining to your deen and your relationship with Allah. I'll give you an example. There was a student of ours in America who got admitted into two medical schools. One medical school was a bit better, but was in the middle of nowhere in America. The other medical school was a little bit lower in academic standard, but was in a city with a thriving and strong Muslim community. And they wanted to know which one should I go to. Now, the, academically, there's no question which one to go to. But they want to know from the perspective of their deen, I want to do mashra with somebody who knows me. And it depends on the student. Maybe somebody would be so strong in their iman, say, go for the better place. Maybe another be like, look, you know, I know you and you know you and you know I know you. And you should really, really strongly consider staying in that environment which has a strong, thriving Muslim community. But that's just mashfara. Nothing happens if you don't follow the shaykh. But sometimes it helps a person. Sometimes a person wants to get that advice. To take it. Right? So third basically means to take mashfra on those matters of your dunya that may affect your deen. But to understand that it is at the level of mashfra. And the fourth, the last meaning of rabata is that sobat. That means attending, it's a bit different for women, right? For men it would be keeping the company of the sheikh, traveling the sheikh, with the sheikh, right? Spending time with the sheikh, attending the talks. So for women that part's included, listening to the talks or listening, reading the writings of our, of the sheikh, or the sheikh's teachers, or, and that can also be cyber sobat and audio talks and live web streaming and up this dorm and right? So, that is it. That's all the sawf is. And I've told you exactly what happens. Right? And so in this last presentation, I've managed to answer most of your questions. And especially I've explained to you. Sheikh and Bayat. Now how does a person decide on a Sheikh? No special powers. So, no special powers, unfortunately. No special powers. How does a person decide on a Sheikh? Number one is that the Sheikh must be leading a life according to the Qur'an, Sunnah and Sharia. So then a person says, well how do I know that? I myself don't have ilm of the Qur'an and Sunnah. So the sign of that are that ulama are students of the shaykh. And even a better sign of that, because ulama who are students may be blinded out of love to the flaws of their teacher. That ulama who are not students of the shaykh, but they respect the shaykh. The sign of that is they ask the shaykh to come and give a talk in their masjid. They invite the Sheikh to their mother, sir, the Institute of Islamic Learning, that they speak fondly of the Sheikh in his absence, not presence, in his absence. So that is the way the non-scholar can understand that, okay, if the scholars speak favorably of this person, then that means that they're the people who know when a person is going outside the Sharia, and they're happy with them. Second, is that you must have munasbat with the Sheikh, compatibility. Right, you must feel that you would be able to do rabata with that particular person. It's a compatibility issue. Right? Sometimes it's about language, sometimes it's about culture. It can be many things. Sometimes it's will they understand me or not, right? Third thing, which is the real real thing, 
is that when you sit in the company of the shaykh, or more so for a woman, when you listen to the talks of the shaykh, you feel that your heart is more attracted to Allah. You feel that you, after you listen to the talk, you want to become more in your deen. That is a sign that the wavelengths are compatible, that the signal is being transmitted and received. So when we sit in the company or hear the talks of our shaykh, after that we feel our heart is more inclined towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to become, have more love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to follow the deen and the Quran and the sunnah and the sharia more. These are the signs that are mentioned, right? And in the classical books as to how a person selects a shaykh. The process of bayat. Bayat takes place is an intention. Asulti's in bayat is niyat. Remember I told you that what is bad that kisi ke andar koi niyat hai and apne aap ko us niyat mein pukhta karne ke liye ehad karna so the asal thing in the bad is niyat so there are three niyats that a person makes in bad number one niyat is toba that I'm making toba from all of my past sins from all of my past ways Second niyat, and this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, and this is particularly the, the bayat of Tawbah that is mentioned in the Quran and the Sahih Bukhari. Second niyat is tajdeed iman. The Prophet said, that you should continually renew your iman. So the second niyat is that I repent from my past sins, and secondly, right now I reassert. And retestify from the bottom of my heart my iman and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet and all of the imaniyat. And the third niyat is for the future. That in the future I want to live my life according to the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, following the sunnah of the Prophet and bringing about my own tazkiyah and islah. And so the way and the procedure for this is that the shaykh recites words of iman and words of tawbah. That's it. Words, kalimat of iman again, which we do with the niyat of tajdida iman, and words of tawbah that we do with the niyat that we are doing tawbah, pledging our tawbah to Allah with someone, and Ya Allah, we are taking this person as a tutor in our tawbah who will tell us some nafal amal, nafal ibadah to do, that if we do them, the love for you will come into my heart, and when the love for you will come into my heart, then I will be able to be true in my tawbah. So I'm going to recite the words because a few of you have sent me this on your chit as well. And you can recite these words with any one of two intentions. That way nobody has to feel under any pressure or feel in any way exposed. The first way all of you can recite these words is just with niyat of tawbah, not bayat. Just with the niyat of tawbah because you're, you'll see the words are iman and istighfar. So a person can make the niyat of tajdeed, iman and istighfar and recite these words. Secondly, if a person wants to begin this journey and start being trained and have a teacher in those nafal askar that I told you, then a person can make the additional niyat of bayat and then you can tell me that afterwards, privately, send me a chit or send me an SMS. Alright? So I'm going to recite these words and you can say them with either one or both niyats and you will see the words are only the words of iman and the words of tawbah. You can recite them with that niyat of tajdeed iman and of making, seeking the forgiveness and tawbah of Allah subhanahu and if you wish, you may recite it with the additional niyat that you wish to embark on this journey of being tutored in the path of Tawbah 
and being guided in the way of zikr and being guided in the path of the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi ladhina stafa amma ba. Repeat these words after me. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. La ilaha illallahu. Muhammadur Rasulullah. Amantu billahi. Wa malaikatihi. Wa kutubihi. Wa rusulihi. Wal yawmil akhiri. Wal qadri. Khayrihi wa sharrihi min Allah Ta'ala wal ba'fi ba'dal maut amantu billahi kama huwa bi asma'ihi wa sifatihi wa qabiltu jami'a Ahkamihi Ikrarum Billisani Watasdikum Bilkalb Ashadu an la ilaha Illallahu Wa ashadu anna Muhammadan Abduhu Wa rasuluh Astaghfirullah Rabbi Min kulli dhanbin Wa atubu ilayh Astaghfirullah Rabbi Min kulli dhanbin Wa atubu ilayh Wa sallallahu ta'ala Ala Sayyidina Muhammad وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاحِمِينَ Mekdua Subhanahu Rabbi Al-Wulhaab Allahumma salli ala sayyiduna Muhammad wa ala ala sayyiduna Muhammad wa barik wa sallim ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم أنت خير الراحمين اللهم إنا نسألك حبك وحب من يحبك وحب أمن الذي يكربنا إليك يا الله يا رب كريم يا الله we sat together for two days Ya Allah, to study the ways of drawing near to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we have no desire for labels. Ya Allah, we want the reality of what we have said. We want the haqiqat of iman. We want the haqiqat of taqwa. We want the haqiqat of sunnah. We want the haqiqat of zikr. Allahumma anna min al-dhaqirin allaha kathira wa dhaqirat. Ya Allah, make us amongst the people who remember you abundantly. Ya Allah, we are sick and tired of leaving a life of ghaflat. Ya Allah, take us out from the ranks of the ghafileen. Take us out from a lifestyle that is heedless of you. Take us out from emotions that are empty of you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we come to you with broken hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we come to you with hardened hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we come to you with saddened hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we come to you with blackened hearts. Ya Muqallib al-Qulub, Ya Allah, you are the being who can change
mind, our hearts. Ya Muzakkiya Hakiki. Ya Allah, you are the true purifier of hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we present our fragile, broken hearts to you. Ya Allah, but they are hearts that have iman in you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to accept this iman. Accept the renewal of our iman. Accept the tawbah that we have made to you this day. Ya Allah, make our kulub manawar with taqwa. Adorn our hearts with the nur of taqwa, with the nur of sunnah, with the nur of zikr, with the nur of itaat, with the nur of ibadat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept our hearts for the khidmat of this deen. Accept our hearts for your zikr. Accept our hearts for the talawat of Quran. Accept our hearts to be present in salah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we stand before you with absent hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we prostrate to you with absent hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we make tawbah of the sin. We make tawbah of the shortcoming. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we beg of you to fix this flaw in us. Ya Allah, we ask you to improve the quality of our salah, to grant us surur in our sajda, to grant us huzur in our qiyam and ruku. Ya Allah, to grant us the lutf, the halawat of iman, the lazat of ibadat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we too want to be amongst your beloveds. We too want to be amongst your lovers. Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept us for this path of muhabba. Accept us for the path of mahbubiyyah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are the most weak and sinning servants of the summa. But Ya Allah, you are arhamar rahimeen. You are the most merciful of the mercy ones. Ya Allah, surely your mercy is, can far encompass our sins. Ya Allah, you know the hypocrisy in our hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, you know every sin that we have done until this moment. Ya Rabbi Kareem, you even know every sin that we will do after this dua. Ya Rabbi Kareem, truly you are Al-Hareem. Ya Allah, we ask you to shower us with your helm. Ya Allah, we ask you to shower us with your hidayah. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept our iman and your hifazah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to protect us from the fitness of this time, from the fitness from outside the Muslim world, from the fitness of Dajjal, from the fitness of the forces that are preparing for Dajjal, from the fitness of the ideologies and philosophies paving the way for Dajjal. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, save us from each and every one of these fitness. Save us from the fitness that are rising from within Islam. Save us from all those who would try to lead us away from the path of taqwa and taharat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to enable us to follow the footsteps of the Mufassireen, Muhaddisin, Fuqaha, Usuleen, Awliya, Ikamideen. Ya Allah, we ask you to enable us to follow the footsteps of the Siddiqeen, Shuhada, Salihin. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to enable us to follow the footsteps of the Anbiya and Sayyidul Anbiya wal Mursaleen. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you forgive us for our sins, that you save us from the azab of the Qabr, save us from the trials and torments of the Day of Judgment. And Ya Allah, Allah min al-Nar. Ya Allah, we ask you to save us from the punishment of the hellfire. Ya Allah, truly we are worthy of being placed in the hellfire. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to forgive us for our sins. Purify us with the fire of Tawbah in this world and save us from the fire of Jahannam in the next world. Ya Rabbi Kareem, the month of Ramadan is fast approaching. Ya Allah, we have not prepared for it. From the last Ramadan to this one, Ya Allah, we have spent in complete ghaflat. Ya Allah, we washed away and wasted all the benefits you granted us last year in Ramadan. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we proved that we were unworthy of the benefits of Ramadan. Our whole entire year has proved that we are unworthy. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to forgive this transgression. Ya Allah, we ask you to overlook our hypocrisy. Ya Allah, we ask you to soften our hearts for Ramadan, to enable us to prepare for Ramadan, to enable us to have a changing Ramadan. Ya Allah, to ever have a lasting change from this Ramadan. Ya Rabbi Kareem, give us the strength to prepare. Give us the fursat and faragat to benefit from that month. Ya Allah, take away all of our difficulties. Take away all of our worries. Take away all of our occupations. Ya Allah, accept us for a life of ibadah. Accept us for a life of taharat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, 
we too wish to be amongst the people who love the Musalla. We too want to be amongst the people who love the Mushaf. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us a taluk with our masjid. Grant us a taluk with our Musalla. Grant us a taluk with our Mushaf. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us a taluk with you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, you yourself said in the Quran, wa nahnu aqrabu Ya Allah, we too want to experience that qurb. We want to be aqrab to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, accept us for this path. Make us amongst the muqarrabun. Ya Rabbi Kareem, those of us who have any worry, any difficulty, Ya Allah, remove that worry and difficulty and make it easy for us to follow the deen. Give us the strength and willpower needed to follow the deen. Let us make the sacrifices necessary to follow the deen. Ya Allah, accept us as amongst your ibadah salihin. Rabbana takamal minna innaka anta samiyun adeen. وَتُوبُوا لَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التُّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَى حَبِيبِهِ سَيْدْنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمَ الرَّاحِمِينَ